Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up on this edition of the TV Black Box, Pell's pelting from Sunrise, 10 loves a traitor, and gobble gobble, TV has a new turkey. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box is about to start. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello and welcome to another big edition of the TV Black Box podcast. The whole team is in the house tonight, starting with Mulky of the Mulkiest Mulk. Hello, Mulky. This is far better than your first intro, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of cunning stunts, Sarah, hello. Yes, yes, I also concur that this was a much better intro. <laughs> but I was talking about cunning stunts because I'm referring to your NCIS stuff that you shot in hopes of uh, – it was sort of your audition tape for NCIS Sydney, wasn't it? Dude, if somebody gave me a job based off that audition tape, it shows a severe lack of acting talent in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> that was not meant to be acting. It was just fun and parody, and I churned them out in like 30 seconds. We loved it. David Robbo Robinson is here. Hello, Robbo. Hello there, Rob. Great to be with you. Aaron Ryan, hello to you. Yes, hello, gorgeous people. And the state of WA that's been separated for the rest of Australia comes down tonight, being uh, Wednesday the 2nd of March. So, Robbo, you can come over and see me. Does anywhere oh, on I've the... already got my... Does anyone on the East Coast care? Anyway, I don't know. Uh, and <laughs> Philip, <laughs> our newest member of the team, Hello. Hey, Rob, how are you going? I'm very well, thanks. It's going to be a big episode, lots to talk about. Let's get into it because after 11 years, Sunrise executive producer Michael Pell is calling it a day. While Pell will remain with the Seven Network, he'll be relocating to Los Angeles later this year. His new role will be discovering and developing primetime entertainment projects. Mulk, this is actually a big, big deal for Sunrise. The transition from one leader to another is a very serious thing. Uh, when it went from Boland to Pell, successful transition, there's no heir apparent at the moment. Oh, I would... Rob, I would disagree oh. uh, in that I would say that um, Sarah Stinson, long-time executive producer of The Morning Show, is probably that person. And... and there's probably even staff within Sunrise that have been covering Michael while he's been absent doing other things anyhow. I agree with all of that. And Sarah, I think, is the most qualified person to get that role. And I would love to see. I think Sarah Stinson is one of the best producers Very in television. Very talented. Love her. But I don't think she's had that same kind of relationship. And I don't mean that as a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, that Adam and Michael had. <laughs> well, clearly, because both Ab and Michael don't dig the chicks. Um, I, I think that the, the challenge there is that Sarah has been allowed to craft her own show, working very closely with uh, Larry and Kylie in the morning show, and has had more than a half an eye, and, and working with Michael just across the morning synergy of Sunrise into the morning show, that plays to her advantage in, you know, hopefully getting that gig. Um mm. I think Seven are in a really unique position where their morning programming, everything sort of prior to the 11, 12 o'clock news, um, is in a real purple patch. And they have a wealth mm. of resources that they could call on. They don't need to look outside the network. They can promote from within and find the right people to fill the vacancies that will come from the shift in Pell's um, promotion. Malk, what's a purple patch? Uh, it, a purple patch is when things are going really well, Robbo. Oh, all right. I'm in a purple patch. I can tell. <laughs> I just want to know what his skincare routine is because he's been on that show for 11 oh, years and he looks right like he is now. 12 years Don't old. Don't say it, Robbo. 
No, it comes in a little needle and it starts with Botox. Oh. You heard it here first, everyone. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you a story? And I, I really, I don't think Michael will uh, have a problem with me telling this story. But I was at um, the GQ Men of the Year Awards and I was talking to Michael and a gossip columnist. And uh, they were talking about their beauty routines and this columnist turned to me and said darling where do you go for your botox and i went i I don't get botox (laughs) she almost turned around and walked away (laughs) did she think that you got botox how many drinks in was she (laughs) <laughs> you know, it, it's all free at the GQ yeah. Man of the Year. Man of I think the she year was awards. wanting to know where he got it from so she didn't go yeah. there, Robert. Oh! <laughs> oh. oh, Bob. I still wow. want to know if, if, since he is going to L.A., if he's taking Sarah Harris with him. Uh, I, I don't think so. She's got to have something to do. But, Philip, Michael is well-liked by Channel 7. Um, this is... This is happening because he wants to go to L.A. You could understand the nervousness from Seven's executives to pass the baton over to someone else when he's done such a great job maintaining that number one slot with Sunrise. Oh, look, I'm sure it's not their first choice to lose Michael Pell from Sunrise, but when you have an incredibly talented person that's also incredibly successful, your choice is to, you know, let let, let them fly and stay within, within the organisation yeah. or lose them to another organisation. So... Yeah. I'm sure they saw this as the lesser of two evils, but it could also have a massive impact on programming from LA as well. And I agree with Malk that Sarah Stinson is the obvious choice, and I think she'll get it. She's been a protege of Craig McPherson for a long time. She's also worked with Michael back in the day, and I've never heard anyone say a bad word about her. It's going to be really important to see the output of what Michael does when he's in LA, because as you inferred, um, Philip, or maybe I've misinterpreted what you were saying, Michael moving to LA has the capacity to really help develop and even possibly revamp Seven's primetime schedule, programming across the day even. Um, however, Seven aren't in a position where they can afford him to lounge around LA and not really come up with shows that are going to win the slots for them. He needs to come through with the goods. This is a high-pressure, high-profile job. Even if he's in LA, lots of people in Australia are going to be watching to see what he does. Hmm. But he, he would be very well aware of that. and I'm sure. He would be wanting to take on that challenge and he would be wanting to prove himself in a different environment. So I think he will come at it you know, guns blazing. Indeed. Well, another day, another accusation against a Hollywood legend. The late Jerry Lewis has been accused of sexually assaulting numerous actresses during his long and successful career. Now, it took an investigation by Vanity Fair and a short film to bring those accusations to light. Aaron, this is interesting because there's sometimes where the public don't want to know this side of someone they loved. Jerry Lewis very famous, very successful. And I can tell you that I remember so clearly the day Nine News broke the allegations against uh, Rolf Harris and put them on the Facebook page, there was a lot of commentary from people saying, how dare you report this? It was interesting. They actually wanted the news censored because they didn't like what was being said. Look, if someone's done the crime, I have no problem with them you know airing that the only thing is there's something in my heart that that feels icky when accusations come out about stars that have passed away yeah i've I've always felt in any situation that someone has the right to be accused but the other has the right to face their accuser it just i don't know it doesn't sit right with me to to say something to someone that's passed away and can't reply that's that's the only thing i'll say on that but if he's done what he's done is abhorrent obviously but I think that the difference with this, though, is women back in Jerry's day didn't speak up. And a lot of the women who have spoken up are in their 80s and 90s. Um, and we've heard other cases before of, you know, women in Hollywood who it wasn't till they were older that they said, you know, now you have a term for things called, like date rape. And we just didn't have words for it back in the day. Um and of course, you know, when I came out against Robert or before 
people knew who it was. Everyone was like, well, you need to name names or shut the fuck up. And then when we named Robert, everyone's like, how dare you accuse mm. him? Um, and so you can never win either way. Um, and so it doesn't matter what you do or how you do it. People aren't going to be happy. It's but a really tough this... one, Sarah, because it, the reports aren't just about sexual abuse. It's about how mean he was. There was, um... And I've heard this a lot from all of my friends in L.A., um, all the other child actors. Apparently, yeah. when he used to do those telethons, people hated him. Like, apparently, he was the most horrible person. And towards the end, no one wanted to do his telethons because he was just a mean old man. Mm. And there was a lot of rumors about things that had gone on back in the day as well. Um, so I have no trouble believing any of this just because I've heard from the other kids um, and a lot of them, the older ones that had been around when he was younger. Um and yeah, it sucks that they didn't come out when he was alive because I, I also believe that people should have a right to reply. Um, but we're, we're also only just getting the stage where women feel comfortable speaking up. Um, you know, even when I did it, it wasn't done. And, yeah. you know, in 10 years, look at how far we've come to, you know, from when I did it and I got death threats to now when you speak up, you become Australian of the Year. So congratulations to the women for finally, you know, Perhaps this is right before they die. They finally get something off their chest. Mm. It, it's also the acknowledgement. I, I agree, Sarah, that Jerry Lewis was a really powerful dude. Like he uh, it effectively grew up on our movie screens. And mm -hmm. in the later part of his career, particularly the telethon work that you speak of only added to his power and influence, at least from the public perception of him. Um, and that meant that, you know, he, it, he leveraged all that he could do and did everything he, he, he could do. I mean, it, I was a little bit surprised at the surprise when these allegations came out because as a part of some he of the Me Too... He did seem like an arsehole. Well, it, as a part of the, the Me Too stuff when it started to surface and then other kind of... I acknowledge it was after he was dead. So, you know, perhaps there's the emboldening in that situation. Lots of people said that he was horrendous to work with. Lots of people said that he was really difficult and had a lot of demands. And I think even Peter Ford had an anecdote of when Jerry Lewis came to Australia and just was horrendous. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a challenge in that regard. It, you're right, though, Sarah, that, that women have a voice now more than they used to. And I think that's a really positive thing, particularly when it comes to these kinds of situations. Yeah. Well, deception, lies, betrayal and backstabbing. Now, while you might think I'm describing the Australian television industry, hold your hats because I'm actually talking about Ten's new show, The Traders. Now, as first reported by Aaron Ryan on TV Black Box, the nail-biting show will feature cunning contestants competing in dynamic challenges while also trying to catch the traders. It's set to start filming soon and will air later this year. Aaron, what can you tell us? Well, I think you described it all. It sounds like a, a bit like The Mole, you know, that, that used to air on Channel 7. I'm sure it'll be more sophisticated these days. Um, I found it funny, though, that, you know, sometimes the network refused to, to confirm a story and they just wait for their own time to announce. I mean, 10 waited three weeks to announce what we already reported. I reckon if it's out of, you know, if the cat's out of the bag, then just run with it. But um, it does look very good, though. Robbo, um, it's interesting what Aaron says, but of course they're never going to work to our timetable. They had their own announcement plan. And there's no doubt that TV Black Box gets in the way of those plans sometimes for all the networks. But I've got to say, and we've been talking about this recently, that it's great to see new formats coming through because I do feel over the last few years the networks have relied on rehashing the same old crap. Yeah, well, the shelves are looking pretty bare across all the networks because they're what were once tentpole massive franchises have now been done to death. So mm. we're going to see a lot of this coming in. Um, you know, I hope it works here, um, for 10 especially. Uh, it, but they are all similar, aren't they? This is like the mole, as Aaron said. Yeah. Um, it's also a bit like Amazing Race. I'm going to assume it's it's a bit like Survivor. And then we talked about Million Dollar Island last week. They're all kind of the same-ish because they've worked in the past, but they're just kind of rehashing you know, some new ideas or old ideas as well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it works. I don't think it will, but that's just me. Well, talking about new formats, it's time for a new segment I like to call Gobble Gobble Turkey of the Week. <laughs> Oh, oh, wow. Wow. oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, 
ladies and gentlemen, the production budget is through the roof. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Do you want to hear it again? Gobble, yeah. gobble. Turkey of the week. <laughs> this is a, a once-off segment. I can't see it happening ever again. I like it. Uh, Have you seen Australian TV? I reckon this one's a, I think this one can run and run. Now, look, uh, Monday night we finally locked eyes on the, and I put in quotation marks, the highly anticipated Australian version of hit British game show, Would I Lie to You? Hosted by Chrissy Swan, the show walked away. Now, look, I've got to say, this was an audience of 428,000 Actually, not a bad result, Mulk, but I called this a stinker when it was first promoted and wonderfully, you brought the joy out of my heart when I saw you on Twitter caning this thing. I really wanted it to be good, Rob. Like I really, like any Australian kind of project, I really want them to be good. Mm. Um, the, the, the thing that became really apparent to me um, is that it wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> without putting too fine a point on it, I, I, have, I honestly have a list. And these are the insights we the come insights, to for you, Mark. Look, I've got a list, right? It was too long. At an hour, it should have been 30 minutes, like the UK version. Um, uh, and so that meant that there was just drawn out kind of setups and games and stuff that just didn't work through it, at least the back half hour, if not bleeding into a little bit further. Um on paper and in the experience, each of the people on the panel and even Chrissy hosting have great skills and sure. the whole thing felt forced. Nothing worked. Even Ross Noble, who is, you know, renowned for sort of mm. improvising and, and, you know, going off script and do, seemed really kind of tied down and that just wasn't cool. It, it didn't seem to play through. I mean, the biggest challenge for mine is that it's it's a copy. It's it's a, an Australian version of the the very popular UK format, and it's the a format that happening is happening now. So there's a direct comparison, independent of the fact that the UK version is up to like season eleven team, and this is the first episode. Sure, there's a chance for it to grow. I think that Channel Ten missed out on commissioning an original Australian game slash panel show. Um, Josh Earl who's a great comedian, has an excellent podcast called um, Don't You Know Who I Am, which is, I'll say a variation on a theme for this, but has a lot of great uh, original angles to it. He's already done pilots of that as a TV show, and it would have worked better than this. Mm. I think that I agree with everything you're saying, Mock. I think Chrissy Swan um, is a great compare, but she is not a host for this. Uh, you know, I didn't think there was really anything added. Mm. The, the lies and the stories, they were lame. There's, mm. no other, there's no other word to do it. They weren't interesting. I didn't find myself in any way uh, involved with the story. I didn't care if they were true or not because they were just, they were lame. It was like, mm. uh, it was a problem primary school group putting them together about you know silly little lies that they could make up it was just it was awful it was not funny dragged on for way way too long yeah um and there was just nothing to it it, it was just embarrassing and and uncomfortable to watch if they'd had a, a, a panel a team change at the half hour mark it yeah, might have yeah. breathed some light yeah but that makes yeah. it two half hour shows and not no one, was one the hour. first 20 minutes good mulk <sighs> I mean, that's where it really struggled. You've got to grab... It took two minutes to get into a game, and by yeah. the time you were in the first game, it was, you know, did Ross Noble build a sandcastle with Rod Stewart? And like I said, yeah. Ross is a phenomenal storyteller who is able to go mm. absolutely to the strangest places of everybody's minds, and he just felt roped in and tied mm -hmm. down. Um, and I will add to that, the audio editing on this was horrendous. The, the audience applause cut off, just snap... Um, in places that felt weird, uh, even, even to the point where you could tell that there were mic muting issues or audio slicing issues where they'd gone from person A to person B and they just cut out a whole section of something that had happened, obviously to fit the time slot, but it, it just, the, res the reaction or the response from the person that came, you could tell there was something missing. It yeah. was just really, really But even poor. when you're cutting for time, you've still got to worry about the final viewing experience. And if you stuff story. that up, you're a bad editor or bad producer. Just to go against the grain, I'm not saying that it was a great show, but I don't think Thank it's... Thank you, as, Aaron. I don't All think right, it's... moving on. Get out of there. <laughs> gobble, gobble. I just don't think it was as... 
as bad as what is what you're saying. I mean, yeah, the editing was super dodgy, but I thought Chrissy was a good host. I always find Ross Noble, Luke McGregor, and Frank Woodley to be funny, and I think they were. I think the whole story with Carrie Bickmore answering the door naked because she thought it was her son was uh, that was quite funny and in- and interesting. But overplayed. Um, it was through every promo. We knew yeah. that it was coming. Yeah, Aaron, I, th- I, just... I love your positivity and how you just adore everything on television and never have anything bad to say. <laughs> it, it was the sweetest it, it kind was of so... soul. It, it was okay, but I think also the Great. Edit... that's what they're striving for. Ten. We're okay. We're just okay. <laughs> but let me just say, I think the audio issues, if Mark was watching the preview copy that I had, I think there was actually issues with the audio with the preview thing because people were actually talking and the and the audio wasn't coming out. I don't think that was an editing issue. If that was actually the 10 version, then that was terrible. Mark, Mark did you watch off air or did you watch a preview? Both. Mm-hmm. And the preview was dodgy, like Aaron said, but what went to air live still had those really hard edits, stuff that just finished prematurely, stuff that felt, from an audio perspective, it was weird. I think there were editing problems across the board because they also seemed to edit out anything that was funny. (laughs) There you go. We got the off-cut version, not the final product. The Rod Stewart thing was funny. I thought it was some of it was funny. Oh, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Would I Lie to Australia shot itself in the foot from the minute it started airing almost back-to-back promos, uh, even down to on the night of in like two or three commercial breaks before it went to air, they're showing promos for Husey, who's not in it for a week or two. Mm. So that what are you promo doing? promo optimizer will get you every time. All right, to the ratings race now, where it continues to be all about Married at First Sight, bringing in the biggest numbers of the season on Sunday night's commitment ceremony with 1,007,000. Dancing with the Stars, All Stars, was second place in its time slot after maths, lifting from last week to 605,000. SAS Australia also lifted slightly this week to 372,000 on Monday and 422,000 on Tuesday. But with a significant BVOD bump between 50 and 60%, it's closer to a million. Now, as we discussed, would I lie to you, Australia performed to a decent 482,000 on Monday night, improving from survivors leading of 463,000. Even so, 10 was still fourth in the nightly ratings behind the ABC, as is the new normal. Tuesday this week once again saw ABC Breakfast beat out the Today Show despite their flood coverage. Hey, Phil. Yeah. SAS Australia is a worry from the fact it was such a high performer. It it does feel like it's the horse that's been flogged to death. Well, it does, but they've had multiple series in a short period of time, right? More than yeah. up to two, two or three a year. I, this I, is a third one, I think. Uh It just seems to be on constant rotation, and I think everybody has such a short attention span now that you just get bored with seeing something over and over again. From a publishing point of view, um, the show's golden because it revolves around people making confessions, and and some of them have been pretty interesting confessions. You know, you've had, um, uh, you know, footballers talking about cheating scandals and, you know, all sorts of things being aired on the show. But it doesn't seem to translate to massive ratings, does it? No. Um, Aaron, you love SAS Australia. What's going on? Yeah, um, people do talk about having three versions. I mean, they aired the celebrity version last year, but they've obviously moved it to the start of the year, meaning the gap was going to be closer. And then they just aired a, a two-week civilian version, which mm. was kind of nothing like the, the celebrity sort of version. It was a different kind of feel, and that didn't rate very well. But, I mean, everyone would agree and and, uh, and say that Seven wouldn't be happy with, with the ratings performance, especially the overnight uh, figures. Um, so even if you've got 30 40 50% jump in total TV, it's still a very low base to come from. So when you combine the censored and uncensored versions, the jump on Monday was 54%, um, bringing in the show to almost a million. Tuesday was 64%, bringing it to 888 um, these are obviously better figures, but comparing it to maths, which obviously has a total TV figure, you know, 1.6 million plus on some days, it was way behind. Um, it, maths is the exception, not the rule. What you're seeing with SAS Australia as a final number is sort of where we are now. If it gets a million on total TV, that is okay, isn't it? 
Yeah, and when you compare it then, okay, to Australian Survivor, it, it beat Australian Survivor in total TV on Monday, but Australian Survivor beat it a little bit by Tuesday with total TV. So, yeah, it's, it's hanging around a million. A seven would still be disappointed, but seven's aim was to be up year on year. And funnily enough, because I thought um, Holy Moly rate, rated better, but seven is actually up uh, year on year. So that would be something positive for them. All right. The year was 2006, and we woke up with Carl Stefanovic and Jessica Rowe on today. But it turns out Nine had another idea. Appearing on Jessica Rowe's podcast, the Jess Rowe Big Talk Show, husband and news anchor Peter Overton made this surprising revelation. Well, I remember them also saying, oh, maybe you you, you and Jessica could host the show together. I said, you're kidding me. So you're going to ruin two careers, ruin a marriage and ruin a program in one hit. No, thank you. No, thank you. Now, Phil, you can see how Nine were thinking. Um, They were thinking having a husband and wife doing the show together like um, that famous couple in the UK, which I Richard and Judy. Richard and Judy. Thank you very much, Robbo. Um, Richard and Judy... They thought we could have a husband and wife do this. You, you can see how the cogs were sort of turning with, with the thinking of this one, can't you? Look, I, I can. I, I think it's, you know... Oh, it would I, have been a disaster. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> well, I just I just think there's a lot, lot of market research that goes into those decisions. Oh, no, there isn't always. I think people really? overestimate that, yeah. I... I, I no. Sometimes there is. Sometimes research is done when a show is established. But usually when those decisions are made, it is a couple of executives coming up with a cunning plan. There's no research on it. Well, I, I found that podcast interesting on a number of levels. I thought Peter Overton threw Jess under the bus um, at the end of it when he said, of course, he recommended she not take the Today Show and, hey, look what happened. Uh, I don't, I don't think I'd husband be, and wife. Hey, I just don't think I'd be over the moon if I was Jessica Rowe about that. Uh, I remember the can, time. Can I just say, though, they're a very open couple and he shot himself in the foot when she wrote her book and, he, and she included a very famous scene um, about what happened on a kitchen bench and she offered him to read it and see if he wanted anything and he didn't read it. And so then the book's gone on sale and he's found out that she's talked about what happened on the kitchen bed. <laughs> well, I wish she'd offered me a chance to read that book because I apparently get a mention and it's not for anything fun like that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what happened on the kitchen bench? They, they made sandwiches. Oh, <laughs> Special <laughs> sandwiches. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> They made mummy and daddy sandwiches. <laughs> when do we need to spell it out, really? Are we apparently? Apparently, we do. Oh, poor Aaron. It's okay, buddy. <laughs> I thought it would be like a little bit more. Not just that. Like, why put that in a book? I mean, people on anyway, television have sex I thought too. It was Aaron. a bit more exciting than just that. <laughs> even Jessica Rowe and Peter Overton. Yes, even husband and wives who have kids. Together. <laughs> anyway, Gross. Philip, back to what you were talking about. Uh, well, I do remember that time distinctly because I was editing the TV guide for News Limited at the time and uh, we all knew Jess wasn't working as the Today Show host and then I very um, stupidly in hindsight ran a poll to try and find the most annoying personality on Australian oh. TV and unfortunately that person was voted to be Jessica Rowe which is why I get a, a mention in her book, apparently. Ah, Now, what's interesting there is it does come down to the role you're doing because she was loved on Studio 10. Studio Ooh. 10 was like the perfect show for her in that she, yeah, you know what, she was up against the tide against what other pe- panellists on the show were talking about. She did divide some of the um, studio audience, but there was also a lot of love for Jessica. And, and you look at it, when Mag's... And and the Daily Mail write about her, they get clicks. There is she is oh, very she, popular. She's massively popular now. I think I think everybody loves a redemption story and mm. the fact that she was able to turn around such a horrible period in her life. You have to mm. remember um, Eddie said that he would she got par- allegedly said that is this a good time to bone her? Mm. Which 
none of us ever knew that term, and it's now the term people use. Well, for for firing someone, yes. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Making sandwiches. <laughs> um, I've forgotten where we were now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Philip. You threw yourself under the bus when you said what you were doing. I the did. Poll. Um, the simple fact is, I look. I really, I love Pete and Jess, and. Um, uh, it's interesting. I don't think that's him throwing her under the bus, to be honest, because she has the power of edit. She could have easily left that out. And mm. sometimes as a husband or as a partner, you do want to say, I told you not to do that, you know. Um, and yeah, it's called I told you so, Bob, yeah. and everybody <laughs> yeah, loves exactly. hearing it. <laughs> but um, coming back to it, uh, Jess wasn't working on the Today Show and Carl's admitted he wasn't helping her work because when there started to be ne- when there started to be negative headlines, he retreated into her, his corner and left her to fend herself. She went through hell, let's be honest. I mean, she was on the front page of the papers and all that kind of stuff, and, and, and that's pretty tough. But I think, yeah, while a husband and wife could work, I don't think that pairing in the morning would have worked, Robbo. I think Peter Overton is well suited to being the nine news anchor and the 60 Minutes reporter, and he's got a great personality but I don't see him as a breakfast TV presenter. No, I don't. Uh, Peter Overton is amazing at what he does, and mm. I think, you know, it yeah. just all worked out for the best um, for her. She had a wonderful time on Studio 10. You know, I thought she was fantastic. I loved working with her. Uh, Peter is just at home on the desk, and I think uh, it, that was just one of those brain farts that uh, TV programmers have where they don't really think it through, uh, and it just it, it wouldn't have worked. And I'm glad that, you know, they said no to doing that because uh, they wouldn't have the amazing careers that they've had now. I thought it was interesting to hear... Peter's response to the the notion that he and Jess could host today together and that he knew straight up what that would mean for them. And as I'm sure yeah. Jess did in, in the conversation, but that he is so direct in saying, no, no, you're not going to ruin two lives and a marriage and a TV show. And it, <laughs> like he just lists it all out. And, yeah. and I he think... He didn't want to be the Ricardos. Mate, he didn't want yeah. to be unemployed. Uh, and <laughs> quite, quite honestly... I mean, that's a sliding doors moment. If he'd said yes, if he'd even entertained it, Nine News Sydney wouldn't be where it is today. Pete Ovenwood would be where he is today. Uh, and uh, I think that the, certainly the Nine Network are better for it. No, I just meant Nine News still would have had great promos that would have helped them get to number one. No, because you know, I hear the promo guy left and he was just <laughs> difficult. Difficult. I, I think also people forget that Peter <laughs> lobbied and campaigned for that newsreader role for years. So it was his dream job. He was never, mm. ever going to give it up. Oh, it's definitely his dream job, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, it's an amazing job, and he'd be one of the highest-paid people on Australian TV. And he does a bloody good job. All right, coming up, Eddie's out, Ray Warren calls it a day, and Nathan Buckley is bringing back Saturday Night Variety. All that, and we'll open the binge box next on TV Black Box. <laughs> Do it, Sarah. Say, say your You thing. don't need to say it with me. Yeah, go and do it. It's not scripted to say that. Do it. I'm allowed to ad lib. No. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with me, Sarah. <laughs> God, I wish everybody could see Rob's face right now. Sarah, at the end of it, throw to me and I'll throw back to Rob. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Eddie Maguire is further decreasing his media workload, scaling back his on-air duties with Fox Footy after a decade as the face of the regular AFL season. Negotiations are underway with Foxtel, according to the Herald Sun, but he will continue to host Footy Classified and Millionaire Hot Seat for Nine. Kate Hefeely has been appointed as the Executive Director for KO, having previously worked at McKinsey & Co. and with the NFL in New York. 
She will assume the newly created role on Monday, March 7th. Broadcast legend Ray Warren will decrease his commentary duties at the end of the NRL season. As exclusively revealed by Kevin Perry on TV Black Box, Channel 9 have opted to allow Warren the freedom to select which matches he will commentate after a five-year contract. Former AFL player Nathan Buckley has been recruited for Fox 40's new show, Best on Ground. He will join host Mark Howard along with Jonathan Brown, Nick Raywalt and Kath Lorne to look at the major storylines of the day. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Over to you, Monk. Thanks, Sarah. Back to you, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) You people, play with me. Play with me. All right, it's time to open up. The TV binge box and who's lounging around? Yeah, I'm bringing it back. And who's lounging around now? Aaron, what have you been watching this week? Well, seems to be free to air, doesn't it, for me? Um, So I watched the first dates, you know, the the new version on Channel 10, so episode one. So this nice, polite gentleman, you know, granted slightly annoying, comes in with a bunch of flowers and he gets himself a half-naked, like, social media influencer, Biarch. She doesn't click with him, but throughout the meal, she flirts with the waitress, and when the dinner is over, she actually gives her number to the waitress and gives the bunch of flowers that the guy gave her to the waitress. Yeah, she was was rude. That was so mean. I I don't remember those kind of things happening in the 7 version, but... Maybe she was trying to get a threesome. Yeah, not with him. Oh, no! No, don't put that in there now. (laughs) Anyway, not quite impressed with that one, but um, watched uh, SAS, of course, absolutely brilliant. Watched the new Police Strike Force, which is on, well, right now while we're doing this uh, podcast. Very good factual show. I recommend that one. Watched the final episode of Euphoria. Um, Seems like half the world's watching that. It, It was really full on the final episode, but it was really good. And I watched the first episode of Law and Order, it's back after 10 years with some of the same cast. So nothing's really changed. Those famous titles at the start remain. Um, and, yeah, it's easy to jo- digest kind of cases. But, yes, Law & Order is back. Is there still crime in New York? Uh, <laughs> a lot, a lot. And wow. it's the same episodes as before. And, Malt, please don't ask me where, you, where I watched that. Where did you watch it? I'll ask. Thanks, Robbo. <laughs> so I went to see a man about a dog, and that man it gave fell me off co- the back of a truck, Robbo. Yeah, gave me a copy of the episode. All right, Phil, what have you been watching? Uh, well, I've been binging on a lot of things. I've been binging on the Ukrainian invasion on BBC, which has been amazing. Uh, then, for a little bit of light relief, I've been uh, diving into lots of bloody shows. Um, one of which was uh, Troppo on ABC, which is mm. a, a new drama series. I've only watched one episode, but it's it's pretty good. The curious thing for me is it's based on a Candace Fox book called Crimson Lake, which was incredibly successful, and she is one of our most successful authors, yet they've called it Troppo. And the reason I watched it was I kept seeing the promos thinking, this just seems like Crimson Lake, so I better give it a watch. And sure enough, it is based on um, her book, it's got um, Thomas Jane, who was the star of Hung and a bunch of other things in America, in the lead role. They've changed, changed, the, changed it slightly from the book in that he's a, now an American detective living in far north Queensland. Uh, it's, it's good. I'm going to keep watching that show. Okay. So that was a good find, uh, and that is on ABC. Uh, I've been watching a show revolving around gangsters and cartels on Foxtel called The Cleaning Lady, which is, again, a a pretty good drama series. It's got a French actress called Elodie Jung uh, in the lead role. She was Electra Nachos in the second of Marvel's Netflix series Daredevil. I'm not a Marvel fan, so I had to look that up. Uh, And it's got a quite well-known Mexican actor called Adam Canto, um, uh, who plays the lead man and the cartel, one of the cartel bosses. It's worth a look if you're into uh, crime shows. Okay. Uh, I've got to say, um, uh, up here in Queensland, there's been a lot of local news and a lot of coverage of the floods, obviously. Uh, Nine and seven have been going all through the morning out of the breakfast shows. The breakfast shows have actually been live here as well. Um, 
I was on 4BC as we were delivering local news, but I've also been keeping an eye on what they've been doing. And I've got to say, uh, Seven Nine and the ABC have done phenomenal jobs with local coverage of the the floods and the weather events here. And even today, um, I know Nine had separate programming for Queensland and for New South Wales as far as covering the two different events. I assume Seven was the same. And look at the resources that go in that. And it's interesting. Um, I was reading, I think, on TV tonight about uh, someone from Free TV who was talking to a Senate's Estimate Committee and made the very valid point that for all the content the streamers do, you won't know what's going on in the world by watching a streamer. Yes, there's the occasional documentary, of course, but for what's happening right now, You've got to turn to your free-to-air TV channels or streaming versions of such to see what's happening in our world. And no one, no one delivers content like television, radio and our local newspapers. And I think they're underappreciated at times. And especially when you look at the pictures TV crews go and get and beam live into our living rooms. I would put the coverage that I have seen on our local networks uh, compare that to anything in the US that they do. Um, I think the technology and the coverage has just been amazing, and I wanted to mention that. Also, when we're talking local um, TV shows, I got a lovely gift from the people at Seven for the new season of South Aussie with Cozzy, a South Australian show. It was a fantastic pack of food in a um, cooler. It was just lovely. And it made me think about the local programs we have around the country that are really underappreciated. You look at something like Sydney Weekender, which I think Mike Whitney hosted for 27 years before he pulled the pin the other month. You know, up here in Queensland, we've got My Way. Um, I know there's Postcards in Melbourne and South Aussie with Cozzy, and I think there's more. I think there's some other local versions as well. They get put on a Saturday at 5.30 or a Sunday at 5.30 where they can have that little hit of local programming. But look at what that's doing. It's great content. And I can tell you from the My Way thing, I always book. They try to get a pre-promote on 4BC afternoons with Sophie Formica. And most of the time you would go, oh, God, we have to promote this crap. But the stories are so great. I love getting the opportunity to promote these stories because we get good content out of it. And I think we need to recognise the hard work that these producers all around the country are doing that aren't in prime time. And you know that when they're not in prime time with all the resources of the world, they're working even harder. So I just wanted to tip of the hat to those people. Um, I've also been watching Spider-Man 2 with the family. We're going through the Spider-Man movies at the moment. In five-minute uh, increments? Uh, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> no, no, 15, 30 minutes. It depends on the day. Uh, I've been watching Venom as well, uh, catching up on that. Um, Where are you watching uh, them, Rob? Uh, th those on Netflix, actually. Uh, yeah, so uh, Spider-Man 1 we watched on Foxtel. Mm -hmm. Spider-Man 2 I think we watched on Netflix, but Venom was definitely Netflix, but I think it's somewhere else as well because I think I started watching it on another platform, which might be Disney or B or um, Foxtel, and I've ended up re-watching the start because I only made it 20 minutes in, so I decided sure. to start again. So, uh, the, so the owner of the TV website has given up on TV and watching movies now. <laughs> I, I just talked about watching wall-to-wall -wall coverage of real live news. <laughs> I've got to be honest, most of my... It, it's a, no, I take you taking the piss, but on a serious issue, most of my television consumption on free-to-air television is news. I get up in the morning, I watch 7's 5am news with Jodie Spears. Because I'm looking for grabs that I can use on my show, I tend to watch more of the Today Show than I do Sunrise there, and that's only because of a work issue. Um, I'll watch the 6pm news, probably 9 and 7. Uh, I'll sometimes be able to watch the 5.30 Gold Coast news. Uh, then a bit of Four Corners maybe, depending on the week if I'm interested or not. I always watch Media Watch. I get a bit of Insiders. And I'm all, I, I, you know, so my free-to-air consumption is very news-focused, I've got to be honest, Aaron. And I'd love to watch Married at First Sight. It's a time issue. You know, the, these reality shows, I just feel unless I can watch every episode, I can't commit. And I, 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 Married at First Sight looks brilliant. It's rating really well. I just don't feel I have the commitment to be able to watch every episode of it.
that's the truth. And join us next week when Rob reads the TV guide once again for everyone who listens to TV Black Box. <laughs> Just kidding, Robbie. Just kidding, mate. Just what was great was that he didn't talk about how much of it he watches while he's driving. <laughs> Brilliant. Mog, what gets said off air stays off air. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, also John Oliver, that's on Foxtel. Sarah! <laughs> well, I have, um, well, I was travelling and we went to Miami and then Austin and I'm sure I watched something on the aeroplane, but it obviously wasn't that great because I don't remember what it was. Um, but uh, today I did watch an old George Carlin stand-up, uh, You're All Diseased. Um, and then like you, I've been um, just watching the news nonstop uh, and I switch between like CNN, we have um, Sky News UK and then the iView for the floods in Australia. Um, and so because you're right, like after an hour, it just repeats. So you have to change stations to see if there's something new. Um, Actually, I would say for seven and nine, there was very much a lack of repetition. There's been so much happening. I didn't see much of the ABC, I've got to be honest, but 7 and 9, I felt, kept the story progressing. Yeah, where CNN and, and like, all of the big networks in the US, it literally just, like, yeah. it just rolled. Like, and I would walk out to do something outside and come back in and I'd be watching the exact same segment again. Mm. Um, and then since NCIS, uh, we've watched all the episodes on Netflix, um, I was very excited while flicking through my Apple TV and there was some old school jag. <laughs> I used to make promos for jag. I love that show. Hi, um, I, that was the, the original. Original NCIS. It was, it was the original NCIS and very was. successfully so and came to Australia, didn't it? Didn't it do yep, some yes. episodes in Australia and Sydney? Yes. Um, yeah. I also need to mention the story of Late Night, which is on SBS On Demand. Great, great show. Mulky. Sunday nights on SBS, circa 8.30 is when you can see the story of Late Night and it is an absolute ball terror documentary from CNN. Uh, if you have any interest in Late Night TV from America, this has... In most of the cases, the people who have made it or are making mm. it talking about cool. how they got into it and what yep. inspired them. And uh, the latest episode covered Carson's exit from NBC. It was actually pretty amazing to hear grabs of Letterman talking about the Leno appointment. And yeah. that, that was not just for this doco, but it reminded me just how, how pissed off Dave was. when how bitter. Uh, yeah, oh, and even to the point where Carson had uh, Letterman on the show the day the announcement had been made and asked him, so how are you doing? Like, for a joke, and Dave played it so well, but you could tell he was just fuming, not at Johnny, at the mm. network. Like it NBC, wasn't Johnny's decision. NBC screwed him over, there is no question. So that's brilliant. SBS On Demand catch-up, Sunday nights on SBS. Um, three things, uh, Turning Red, the new Disney Pixar film, coming to Disney Plus. Um, so they've just bypassed the cinema. And if you have small people or you love Disney Pixar animation, you will love this movie. It is so good. Um, basic premise is a young girl uh, of Chinese origin living in America. When she gets excited, turns into a giant red panda. <laughs> have a great day. It is amazing. So fun. Um, I might need a bit more info on that one. Oh, no. It's, <laughs> it's great conversations about growing up and how we change and all of the, it's It's marvellous story. Um, and and the, what Disney Pixar do so really, really well. Billy, Billy Eilish wrote and sings the main song in it and my teenage daughter is all over that. Um, I have previewed, it's now out the first three episodes, but I've previewed Our Flag Means Death the new Taika Waititi Reese Darby comedy that's available on Fox Showcase and on Binge here in Australia. Jesus creepers, mate. Like, those guys know how to do absurd comedy, and it is just the most absurd premise that this dandy of a man in the Blackbeard pirate era decides that he loves his life so much that he's going to go and get a ship and become a pirate leave his family behind and instead of taking on pirates and let's go plunder other pirates and get our, that's how we get our money and our food and that's how we inspire them. He pays them a wage and he just feeds them three squares a day. And so they're not really interested in wanting to fight too many people. Um, it's, it's really, it's really, really funny. And there's some really graphic stuff that happens 
as pirate fights would want. Um, Reese Darby was in town this week launching the series, and I'm so devastated I didn't get to meet him. The images of him turning up in this incredible, you know, pastel blue suit in the rain, holding a binge umbrella. He looked so dapper. It, oh, and what was that one called? Our flag means death. Hmm. Huh. Um, Sounds good, mate. It's really funny. In the first episode, there's a. a, a, a <laughs> They need a flag. So he challenges his crew to come up with a pirate flag. And one of them puts a cat on the flag. <laughs> and he says, because, you know, cats hate everyone. So <laughs> you know, like it's, true. it's just that kind of... It's so it's so obtuse. It's so great. Waititi is Blackbeard. Reese Darby is, is the central character. That's the good side of things. We've talked uh, probably at death about would I lie to you, Australia. Mm. Oh, please. I mean, that's being gentle. Um, and I would even probably throw first, first dates on 10 in there. And I'd, again, it is, Aaron kind of referred to it before, apart from maybe some of that aggravated kind of dating stuff that played in trying to be married at first sight. It's basically the same show. I don't know why it hasn't worked other than it's on, you know, Paramount ANZ and God bless them. They need to work that shit out. Um, there's heaps more coming. Uh, you guys have said a lot of the things that I'm watching anyway. I agree um, with you, Aaron, that Euphoria on Fox Showcase was, uh, look, an incredible series and quite the ending. Uh, I cannot wait to see the next. Mate, don't you dare wind me up because you <laughs> talked for about 12 minutes longer than me. I did um, not. I was about to start playing the music from the Academy Awards. <laughs> our incredible producer, Abby Mickelson, is nodding furiously, so don't even try it. Um, I, was I, <sighs> I will tell you this. If you are a fan of Survivor, Sunday night, tune in. It's massive. There you go. Wise words indeed. All right, David Robinson, what have you been watching? Well, I really liked First Dates Australia, so I'm going to go back for that one. And I've also been watching Big Mouth, that wonderful animated show on Netflix. It is exactly my type of humour. I love it. That's it. All right. Aaron, bring us home. I've done mine. (laughs) (laughs) It was four hours ago. That's it why was we memorable. It. It was memorable. <laughs> I was wondering how we were going to fill out an hour on this show when it got to eight forty and we hit the start of the binge box twenty minutes later. Oh. Hang on, don't blame me for that. Oh, I'm, hang on, don't I blame me for that. Get, hang on, says the guy that read out the TV guide. I, I did not. I gave props to local productions. How is that bad? And then Aaron pulled me up that I don't watch free to wear. I have a right to defend that. And I'm enjoying it. Surely. It's it's taken 90 seconds for us to rehash your 13 minute segment. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that brings us to the end of this edition of TV Black Box. For more exclusives, go to tvblackbox.com.au. Abby Mickelson, she wrote, produced, edited this edition of the podcast along with David Robinson. Thank you, team. We will be back next week. Robbo, Aaron, Sarah, Philip, and and Mulk, thank you for your wonderful contributions. We will see you next week right here on the TV Black Box where people in the industry get their news. Don't blame Abby and Robbo for any of this. <laughs> TV Black Box would like to apologise for not mentioning Sherry Lee Beggs during this podcast. <laughs> We've got enough of us now that we can do the whole so long, farewell, Avita saying goodbye, adieu, adieu to you and you and you. I'm just saying. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.